accountability can mean that you did not have boundaries. Accountability can mean that you enabled somebody. Accountability can mean that you did not sit there and see the flags, see the red flags, see their lies, see their deceit, see their lack of follow through, and sit there and make excuses for them every single damn day. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. The Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, where we keep it real, I state in entrepreneurship wisdom. Learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Here's your host, Billy the Kid, aka Billionaire. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. Everything is possible, just hustle. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby. It is your boy, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. Billy K, a.k.a. Billionaire in this mug. And today, you're going to learn a lot. Uh, again, every episode we drop, guys, is going to teach you how to level up to the next level. It's a book. Like, literally, every episode is just a book. Um, today's no different. Talk about accountability. Talk about taking, holding yourself accountable for everything that has happened in your life, for everything that's happening. And and I love that because that's literally how I live my life. And I always look at both sides, right? Like if, if it's an argument or whatever it is, it's like, what did I do wrong? So I can work on that myself to make me a better person. So that way there's a lesson behind everything that I've gone through in every, whether it's business, friendships, like every single area in my life, any relationships. Uh, so I love today's episode is just going to blow you away. And, uh, we have Melissa Jackson guys like that. That's, she's been on Brad Lee's podcast. Like she, she's done some major things. She has her book out. Yeah, just amazing. Uh, it, I, I love these uncomfortable conversations that we're having. And, and today's episode is no different. So I cannot wait for you guys to listen in. Before we get started, guys, grab a copy of my book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable. It is out everywhere. BillyTheKid.com if you want an autographed copy. And if you don't want an autographed copy, shame on you. <laughs> Go to Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble, anywhere else books are available. Grab yourself a copy. This book will get you uncomfortable. It'll get you off your couch. Follow this podcast, guys. It is on Audible. Uh, we actually did make it to Audible. As a matter of fact, my book is on Audible too. So podcast book, check it out on Audible. The audio version of my book is to another level. is different, so check it out um, and subscribe. Can you guys also please drop me a review? Drop us a review wherever it is that you're listening to the podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is on YouTube. Drop a comment. Uh, that's help helps us guys. It gets, it helps gets the message out more, uh, for other people to listen, share it on social media, tag us. Um, uh, we, we need that, right? Like we need that in order for this show to take it to the next level. So, uh, please help out support only if you think it is valuable. Otherwise then this show's not for you. If, and, and honestly, if you're not taking action, this show is not for you. This podcast is not for you. Uh, it's only for the 3% action takers, baby. And other than that, guys, um, it's been amazing. Uh, we just had our mastermind meetup last night. Shout out to everybody in the mastermind, the Get Uncomfortable Mastermind. Just an amazing group, killing the game. Go check out the testimonials. Get to know some of the members uh, on, on the uh, Get Uncomfortable Mastermind, just killing it. And if you're ready to level up, guys, Hit up info at billythekid.com with your story 
to see if this group, this mastermind would be good for you. And if it's not, then it's not. We'll let you know. We're only letting people that are uh, that that match into our view and what we're trying to do with this group of people, which is level up life in every area. So uh, if that's you, hit us up so that we could join the mastermind. If you th if we think you're a right fit, we're going to get back to you for sure. Either way, we'll let you know. Uh, also, I am still doing the one on one coaching. Um, Again, I've said that over and over. I don't know how long I'm going to be doing it for. Uh, so take advantage. As of right now, I am doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. And so if you're ready to get a success coach on your corner, hit me up. Uh, I, we could talk about different things in different areas, business, real estate, uh, books, like writing a book, like anything that you want to do, I, I can literally just lead the way and show you so that way you could take advantage and take your life to the next level. So info at billythekid.com if that's you. But... Uh, I think I am ready. Um, again, talk about holding yourself accountable. That's literally this, this episode is just going to blow you away. And, um, I have, I'm like looking at my notes of how many great things we talked about and it, relationships like, uh, relationships was a big topic and no matter what it is, guys, again, just try to be the best person that you can be. And with that, like you're going to attract the right people. And also, I've said this before, you know, if you meet 10 people out of the 10, there's going to be that one asshole, right? There's going to be the one person that will cross you over, that will do you dirty, that will do this. But you know what? The other nine are worth it. So go do it again. Go on to the next 10 people and keep it going. Like, don't let that one asshole stop you from chasing your dreams, from meeting cool people. There's so many great people out there that, uh, you're like, don't let just a random person stop you from doing that and meeting great people. So anyways, with that being said, uh, here is Melissa Jackson. Let's get it, baby. Vamanos. Welcome to the million dollar hustle podcast, baby. It is your boy, Billy, the kid, AKA BDK. I am excited today. I am very driven with women because I have two daughters, single mom, sisters. Literally, that's my life. And uh, today, the guest will blow you away. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on here. It's an absolute honor. Yeah, same. I'm super excited. I know we had a couple schedule uh but things happen, right? But here we are. I'm, I'm excited to just uh, hear your story because you have a great story. And uh, I mean, you've been on Bradley and you, you have so many great things that you've done and so many things that you're going to do. So uh, with that being said, uh, at the beginning, I usually like to just ask you, where are you from and kind of how was your story and why are you here, basically, right? <laughs> Well, absolutely. So I'm from Boise, Idaho, born and raised. And I come from very humble beginnings. Both of my parents were contract workers. I mean, they had kids very young, about 16, 17 years old, ran away from home. So I came from a very untraditional background, if you will. And um, they did the best they could. So I want to leave with that. Now, that being said, I came from a lot of violence. I came from a lot of adversity. I came from a lot of challenge in my life. The last thing I was formally educated on um, while being homeschooled was how to multiply fractions. And that was nine years old. I saw myself everything else from the, with the six-year-old GD book until I could save up enough money from my very first job, which was fast food at 15 years old, to um, be able to 
beg and ask to get taken to Hastings to go and get an upgraded at GED book so I can go on and get my GED and then go on and get two college degrees and then go on to be where I'm at now. Now, where why am I where I'm at right now is because I know what hopelessness feels like. I know what it's like to not, not want to live anymore. I know what it's like to want to pull the plug on life. I know what it's like to be in that depression. I know what it's like to not feel like anybody sees who you are. And I also know what it's like when your life is literally on the line when it came to me having further down the road to get multiple surgeries, including brain surgery to save my own life. So I'm here to try to make an impact. I'm here to try to show people that their lives matter. I'm here to try to show people that regardless of whatever life throws at you, you can make something beautiful out of it. And in my humble opinion, it's your responsibility to do so. Mm, fire already. We're barely starting and you're already dropping fire. Uh, uh what was the surgery like? Uh, you mentioned surgery. So if you could tell that story, because I, I definitely think that's a, a big part of your story. Yeah. So for a little bit more back context, I worked up to four jobs, put myself through college while building a business. And throughout all that time, doctors could not find out what was wrong with me. They kept telling me. They kept telling me. They said, Melissa, you need to figure out what's wrong with you or else you're going to be paralyzed by the time you're 35 years old. Melissa, something is wrong with you. Your, your neck shouldn't be shaped like that. Why do you have migraines all the time? Why are you blacking out in the middle of hallways? They couldn't figure out what was quite wrong with me. So after I quit my last night job, because I worked up to four jobs, put myself through college and built a business, after I quit the last night job, graduated with my last degree, not even three months later, I go to a follow-up doctor's appointment, and it goes terribly wrong. And I can't remember how to get home. My right hand won't open up all the way. My right foot wouldn't open up all the way due to extreme nerve and brain damage. Mm. And they couldn't really figure out what was wrong up until this point. And they did this nerve testing and they started asking me repeatedly, when did you have a stroke? You show the symptoms of somebody that had a stroke. And what they found out is that my brain physically does not fit into my skull. It's a condition called Chiari malformation. It's where your brain, literally every single time your heart beats, beats into your skull every single time. And when that happens, it develops scar tissue. So that surgery, what they did, and I had multiple, I had 12 surgeries back to back within less than a two year long period. Um, one of them being brain surgery and the other 11 to prevent a second brain surgery that was going to be a lot more intense. That surgery was very, very dangerous. They were terrified to give it to me in my state because they had just operated on a 19-year-old mother, brand new mother, and she was a vegetable after the procedure. And what they do is they go in there and they open up the back part of your skull. They leave it open. Mm. And then sometimes they go in there and they open up the covering of the brain and they put a patch on there to give it so there's more breathing room for your brain. And then sometimes in extreme, even more extreme cases, which is what they were going to do to me on my second brain surgery, they cauterize or remove the back part of your brain. So for me, they went in there and they removed the back part of my skull and they shaved off the large slab of scar tissue. And later on, that surgery did not prove to be successful, leading me to have to get 11 additional surgeries to avoid them from removing or cauterizing the back part of my brain. Mm, wow. Uh, and Melissa, if you could talk about like, how was it mentally going through that? Like, how did you hold yourself uh, up and, and strong, right? Uh, because you're definitely a strong woman to this day, obviously. But uh, during those that process, like, what, what did you tell yourself? Like, what was going on then? 
Yeah. And this relates for everybody. Like the thing about this podcast, I don't want people to sit there and feel bad for me. I don't want people to sit there and be like, oh, wow, this is just all about brain surgeries and stuff. This relates to you guys. And this is about you guys, the listeners getting what you want. Okay. So your adversity, like this isn't about me. This is about you guys. This is about people, the listeners on this podcast. And here's what I want you guys to get. If you want something in your life, you're going to have to become the person that's going to be able to create that success or that is worthy of that success. Mm. And the thought process that I had when I went into this is exactly why I was in this situation. You have to take extreme accountability, extreme responsibility. I knew that there was something wrong with me, but I ignored it. I didn't pursue it. I didn't think I was worthy of it. So that was my thought process that led me to be where I was at in my life is I did not think that I was worthy of going and figuring out medically what the hell was wrong with me and seeking additional care. Granted, yes, resources weren't really there and all of these excuses, excuses are valid, but that was my mentality when I was going in there. And that's the biggest problem. I think Tom Bilyeu says that the biggest problem with excuses is they're often valid, but you have to find a reason to go through them. And as I drove to that hospital appointment, as I drove into five o'clock in the morning for that brain surgery, here's what I felt. Here's what I felt, Billy. And here's what I noticed. And here's the one thing that I want people to get. And I've talked to Master Jeff and I've talked to Ken Jocelyn. I've talked to multiple people about this. And I mean, I know you were at the conference when we met at Create Conference when he brought me back up and he's like, Melissa, how many times have you almost died? And I'm like, dude, I don't even know. <laughs> but here's the thing I want mm. people to get. When you're looking at life and you don't know, and we all don't know, if it's going to be your last damn day, you start to realize what is your impact on this planet? When you're heading into that hospital room and you know that the person that was just previously operated on that you've been informed of anyways, didn't make it, you really start asking yourself, you really start asking yourself, did I hold back on who I genuinely was? Mm. into other people's approval into other people's boxes into what other people expected of me did i do that did i hold back who i was and why i was put on this planet and that was my thought process when i went into there i always wanted to be a motivational speaker i always wanted to be an author i always wanted to help people i knew that since i was a kid i knew that and i knew my mission statement and i believe every person on this damn planet should have a mission statement for what they stand for i knew that at the age of 14 years old but i whipped out on it because i wanted to fit into everybody else's damn box and that's what my mentality was when i drove to that hospital room is i realized if i live through this damn thing i'm coming back out another person and I'm coming back the real person that I was meant to be on this planet. Mm. Whew, let's go. And uh, you mentioned mission statement. Uh, can you share with us what that is? Yeah, so my mission statement, I came up with this at 14 years old. Like I said, I came from a lot of violence. Um, I was on a two-week-long fast. I was anorexic and bulimic at the time, and I overdosed on diet pills. It was the third time that I attempted to end things for myself. Um, I didn't see any hope. I was always having my life threatened. I was always being told that my life was pointless and all of these things, okay? So this comes into the reason why the mission statement exists because no one gives a shit what your mission statement is. The big thing is, and this is why I like Simon Sinek a lot, he says, why do you do what you do and why should anybody care? So this is why people should maybe care. This is how I came up with this mission statement. So I overdosed on diet pills and I started realizing that my life was flashing in front of my eyes. Now, it's not like what they show in the freaking movies where your life is flashing in front of your eyes and it's just like the past and all of this stuff. Mine is flashing into the future. 
what am I saying with the actions that I am making? Like nobody knew who I was. So let's just say in the newspaper, and maybe people will relate to this, okay? Your actions are saying something. Maybe in the newspaper, there's like this little two to three sentences about my life and why, because I wrote a lot of poetry, why I did what I did. What am I telling people with that action? What am I telling people that, that if they're, they're told their life is pointless, that they should believe the exact same thing? Is that what I'm telling people? And that's not what I wanted my legacy to be. So I worked myself and I crawled myself across the floor. We lived in about a 700 square foot house. I crawled myself from the living room to the kitchen because I couldn't walk. And I started getting all the pills out of my system that I possibly could and inhaling as much bread as I possibly could because I realized that that's why I kicked in so much more is because I hadn't eaten for almost two weeks. Mm. And I remember passing out against the refrigerator door and I told God, source power, however you guys want to take it for me, it was God. And I said, God, if you let me live through this, I promise to you, I'm going to be the best version of myself for myself, meaning I'm not going to be codependent and reliant on other people's opinions on me. I'm going to show people that they can do anything that they put their minds to, regardless of other people's opinions, limitations, or oppressions, meaning that it does not matter what other people think of you. And then... I show people that they can do anything that put their minds to rest of people's opinions, limitations, or oppressions, and that hurt people hurt people and doesn't make them right. Mm. Now, that last sentence people don't get. Hurt people hurt people and that doesn't make them right. That means that there's another decision that can be made. You can give love. You can give grace. You can give abundance. You can give happiness. You can give so many other damn things on this planet versus just hate. And if you look at the cycle and you look at this world, there's so many people that are hurt that think that that is the only decision that they can make on this planet is to continue that cycle. Mm. Also, it means we are people as well. Hurt people hurt people. And that includes ourselves, procrastination, limiting beliefs, not standing up for ourselves, whatever it may be. And that was the mission statement that led me to every single thing that I do now. And something that I try to reflect on. I'm a human. I'm not perfect. Every single decision that I make. Mm, wow. And so you've mentioned like you've mentioned like depression and, and all this stuff that you've gone through, Melissa. Uh, what do you think? What would you say to somebody uh, that's going through that right now? Uh, because it obviously it's uh, sounds easy, right? Like, but um Uh, obviously it's uh, a lot of it is mental and I would like to hear your, your perspective on that and how can somebody get out of that funk? So there's two different things I like to say. One, one sentence I like to rely on a lot that said um, before and I came up with is because I like to read a lot of poetry is depression is created by a false sense of isolation. That means that I am the only one. I am the only one that feels this way. I am the only one that has hurt like this. I am the only one that has gone through adversity. And here's the thing. You're the only you. That's true to some extent. You are the only you. But that does not matter to some extent. And the reason why I say that is this. Other people's pain may be different than yours. I guarantee that it is. Other people's pain may echo a little bit different, show up a little bit different. Their scars may be a little bit different, but pain is pain. And if you take a second and you look up outside of just yourself and you look around the world, you will understand that there are people out there hurting as well. And you are not the only one on this planet. Mm. 
Depression is created by false sense of isolation. So if you can look around and realize that there are other people hurting, maybe you can make another decision to help another person, to connect with another person, to know that you're not going down this path alone. It's a big problem with social media is everyone shows all the glyphs and glams, everything's fucking fantastic. And it's not, I'm sorry, it's not. But if you actually take a second, it's the David Goggins quote. He talks about when he self-published his book, people were like, who's going to relate to this book, Goggins? Who's going to relate to this book? He's like, you can throw a rock and hit somebody that's going to relate to this damn book. Are you not in the world? Everybody goes through challenges. Everybody does. So if we can take that when it comes to depression and look around and say, hey, you know what? That person may relate to me in a little bit of a different fashion, but I'm not alone in this planet. I'm not alone. There's other people that feel the same way that I do. So that's a really, really, really big thing that I think would help a lot of people if they could realize that the depression is created by a false sense of isolation. The next thing I would say is take a step towards whatever it is that's going to fix your issues. And what I mean by that is actually looking at your life, auditing your life and saying, hey, scientifically, let's take this to a scientific level. Scientifically, Harvard did a study. And I always like to take science into these things because motivation is motivation, but without statistics, without knowledge, without actual execution, without real facts, it doesn't mean shit, okay? So let's get nerdy for a second because I'm a little bit of a nerd. Harvard did a study and they said that the human brain can only perceive 158 relationships. 158 relationships. So if you are depressed, okay, and we've all been there, and everyone's ran through bouts of depression, everything's gone through challenges, everyone's been there. But if you are depressed, maybe it is time to take a second to audit the 158 people in your life. Wow. We get to dictate our entire perception of reality. Our entire damn reality is dictated because our brain can perceive less than 1% of reality and only maintain and dictate 158 relationships. Who is in your 158? So for me, what I did in my darkest moments is I sat there with a journal and I wrote down all of the people that I could think of that were in my life. And then I went on Facebook and I started writing down, wow, this person really wanted to spend a lot of time with me. This person cared what I had to say. This person fucking responded. This person has been trying to pour into a relationship with me and I've just been pushing them to a side because I'm too focused on somebody that's emotionally unavailable to even hold a space for me. Mm. When we look at that and we can wow. audit 158, that dictates everything in our future. Wow. Uh, and it leads to the next question that I had for you, Melissa. And and that that is crazy. And the 158 people, uh, it, it's funny because, uh, you know, there's two sides to, to this story, but, uh, uh, I say, oh, I, I'm, I, it's hard for me to remember names. So now it's almost like that just stamps it like, well, I do know more than 158 people. So anyways, uh, may, and obviously there's the other side that if you keep saying that, then of course that's, what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you mentioned relationships and, and I, that is amazing. Like you saying how, there's all these other people waiting to pour in onto you when you're going after the wrong people. Right. And um, I think anybody listening right now can relate to that because there's certain people in your life that are only for the season, right. For that chapter. And then it's like, you got to move on. Um, 
how have you dealt with that, Melissa? Um, where you will call it cutting the cord, right? Like how, how have you dealt with relationships where, you know, they were draining, like, do you tell them do you, or do you have you just cut them off completely and moved on? Well, it depends. So there's the people when you come from rock bottom, like I did, there's the people that say they want help, but they don't want help. Mm. And those are the most painful ones because they'll say they want help. They'll beg you for help. They'll hate you if you don't give them help and they'll hate you if you do give them help because you are changing them. With those people, you just got to cut the cord. Because the thing about it is, is that's not love. That's not friendship. That's not anything if you're trying to change the person, even if they're asking you to change them. So I just cut ties. Namaste to them. For other people, you know, you just kind of fade in the back. You love them for a difference. Namaste to them. They're going on their own journey. They're going on their own path. My path isn't right. Their path isn't wrong. It does not matter. It is two different paths. It's two different people. That is okay. But what I have learned throughout this entire situation is that if you stop chasing people, the right people will show up in your life if you allow them to. Mm. And that comes down to you opening up a slot in that 158. That comes down to you letting go of something because love friendship is not changing a person to fit into who you think they should be. Love and friendship is accepting somebody for who they are and helping them only if they genuinely want to be helped. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes people are going to hit you one way or another. That doesn't matter. Truth of the matter is, is what is your mission statement and what is the impact that you want to have? And as long as you don't die with any hate, regret, or remorse in your heart, it doesn't matter what they think of you. There's a lot of people. Everybody has people that hate them one way or another, justified or unjustified. But for me, my goal is to die on my deathbed with no regret whatsoever. And that goes for knowing I gave everybody and everything my best. Mm. And do you, what do you think, uh, even taking it to the next level, uh, whether it's boyfriend, girlfriend, or just, uh, like husband, wife, what would you, what are some of the things that you would tell somebody to make a better relationship? Uh, if, if that is the relationship that they want to go with. And then a second part to that question is, uh, Maybe somebody hasn't found that person yet. What would you tell them? So for husband and wife, I think a lot of it is if you're having struggles all together within your relationship, work on fixing yourself first. That's the thing. It's really easy to sit there and point the finger and say, hey, they need to fix this. They need to fix that. They need to fix this. They need to fix that. I don't know people's relationships, but here's what I do know. You can't fix somebody else. All you can do is fix yourself. That is the step number one. And depending upon the results of that first step, depending on how much you pour into that so you can die on your deathbed with no regrets, depending on however that may work, that's when you get to make the decision. I'm not in people's relationships. I'm not in people's marriages. I don't know. But I know for, for fact, the first thing and the only thing that you can fix is yourself. And it's up to you to make that decision because that's such an intimate relationship of what follows after you give every single thing that you have. And then when it comes to, you know, trying to find that right person, you got to be the right person first, right? Are you giving in everything that you've got? Are you actually showing up? Are you a person that loves yourself first? Do you know who you are? Or do you sit there and you try to fit yourself into the model of everybody else? 
Like you have to know you first. You have to love you first, as cliche as that may sound. And eventually that person may show up or that person may not show up. But if you love your life and you love the people that you're around and you love the people that are in your inner circle, does it really matter? Life is abundant and life is full of love, whether that's platonic or not. Yo, we'll be right back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle podcast. Before we continue, I want you to go grab a copy of my book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable. It is out on Amazon. It is out on Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com, Target.com, and everywhere else books are available. The great news, guys, is you could go to BillyTheKid.com and grab an autographed copy. That is right. I'm going to mail you an autographed copy right now. Audiobook is also available on Audible, and everywhere else audiobooks are available. So go listen to it. Go grab yourself an autographed copy, and I'll see you on the other side, baby. And now back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast. For your story, Melissa, just like, and, and you mentioned, like, everybody has traumas. Everybody has uh, craziness that we've all experienced, right? And I think... Uh, honestly, those of you who are listening, like that's what makes me fall in love with people when they're just transparent. Like, hey, here's the BS I've gone through or that I did, and it is what it is. But here's who I'm trying to become, right? And uh, yeah. what have you done? Because I feel like this could help a lot of people to fix your traumas and and all those things that you've done to be okay with it, so you can move on to the next phase. For me, a lot of it came down to just acceptance. When you get older, you realize that people did the best that they did with what they knew. And we're privileged. We're in a day and age of, you know, where therapy is more accepted, where self-development is more accepted. And I'm not justifying anybody's past traumas. I'm not justifying what's been done to me. I'm not justifying what's been done to anybody else. But if we can look back with empathy and understanding that hurt people hurt people, we can understand and we can separate our self-worth from what's happened to us because hurt people hurt people. So you can separate from that and be like, you know what? This, this had nothing to do with me. This literally had nothing to do with me. This was just a cycle. This is just a pattern. This is just something that I had an opportunity to make two choices. One, I can continue the pattern or two, I can step outside of this cycle. And that's the only two things, in my humble opinion, that you can do in life is you can continue the cycle or you can step outside of the cycle and say, you know what? This isn't this isn't serving the world. This isn't serving me. I choose a different choice. Mm. And for me, that was the first big step. That's where that mission statement came from. I'm going to make a different choice. Because when you go through abuse and you go through those challenges or you go through adversities or you go through brain surgeries and you go through all this crap, it's really damn easy to be a victim. It's really easy to be a victim. I think it's Andy Priscilla. He says that there is no nobility in victimhood outside of overcoming it. There's no nobility in victimhood outside of overcoming it. So you have to step outside that pattern of victimhood and be like, you know what? I'm going to overcome this and I'm going to try to make something beautiful out of it as a gift to the world. And that means you need to be working on your meditation, your journaling, your healing yourself, your self-reflections. Where the hell are you toxic? Like, let's be honest. Everyone online likes to be like, oh, that person's toxic. That person's toxic. Hello. We're all fucking toxic. I'm sorry. I hope you don't mind me cussing on this podcast. We all oh, have no, you're good. We all do. So look yourself in the mirror, man up, woman up, whatever the hell up in the mirror and be like, you know what? I'm going to own this and I'm going to change this. That doesn't mean that you need to run around the world and be a people pleaser and apologize for every single time that you mess up unless some, somebody else might not even know that you messed up. But you need to look in the mirror and be like, you know what? 
I was a little bit toxic with the way that I approached that. Wow. I'm going to do it different that way. And for me, I did a lot of meditation. I did a lot of journaling. I spent a lot of my childhood alone. I did a lot of poetry writing. I did a lot of everything and analyzing exactly where things came from and separating my experience from my worth. And mm. once you can do that, you can create a new experience, not just for yourself, but for other people on this planet. Mm. And you, I, I totally agree that uh, everybody has like we're we're all toxic we we can all and i think once you sit down and you're like okay this is what i need to work on like right like it, it's you're literally giving yourself the answers on to know what you need to work on so whether it's uh being toxic negative and and all this stuff uh and you know it, it's crazy i one of the podcasts i did solo uh i i kind of did like the top things that you should take on to 23 coming from 22 or whatever, whether there were reminders and stuff. And and one that I uh, said was uh, some people think rich and some people think broken. Right. And uh, it, it's the truth. And, and it goes along with the hurt people, hurt people. I'm going to ask you this because what I've also noticed and, and what I question is, okay, it was okay to stay away from so-and-so this and that, right. These situations or whatever, but also some people do grow. Right. So I want to ask you this, uh, because I, I truly believe like there's some people that I'm like, man, I wish I would have met them two years from now, like from, <laughs> from the time that you're dealing yeah. with them because you, you see their potential. And I've also seen people that you see that potential and they just up to the, you know, 10 years later now, I still don't see, you know, yeah. I wanted <laughs> it more than them. Uh, What's your perspective on giving people like that a second chance maybe, or, or like, what, what do you think, uh, later down the road? Right. Cause it, if you cross paths again, then, uh, I truly believe that God will lead you to that if that's the case. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I would lo- love to hear because there's the other side where it's like, no, but you know, they, they did hurt you. And uh, at the end, we're nobody, I think like only God can judge at the end of the day, but yeah, what's your perspective on that? So from my perspective on it, people can absolutely change. But there's a difference between saying you change and actually changing, right? Mm. And there's also the, the fact of the matter is life, in my humble opinion, is all about respecting yourself. There are some things that can be forgiven but can never be forgotten. And until you can give yourself and that person a clean slate, until you can actually fully forgive that person and give them a full clean slate, then you cannot be a person that interacts with them. Why? Because then you're pulled, holding the past version of themselves over their head. And that's not fair to them. That's not fair to you. So it all comes down to, I would say, a situation based on situation. There are people that I'll let in my life, for sure, back into my life, but it's going to be based on my terms. And it's going to be based on what I know is going to maintain the most healthy dynamic for both of us, where I'm not going to be revengeful of apologies or closures that I never got. And I'm not going to become a bad person that I can't look in the mirror and face and actually have pride with. And that also they can't hurt me because there's a lot of people that I've seen that talk about changing that have never changed in their entire lives. There are a lot of people that don't want to change and that's okay. I think that love is accepting people for who they are and who they truly are versus waiting for them to change and waiting for their potential. 
And I think that's where people go wrong a lot in this planet is they fall in love with somebody else's potential. And I think that that is false love. And I do not think that is fair love. And I think that is in some form, way, shape or form, even though it's often done with good intentions, a manipulation tactic. Mm. Wow. And one question that I have for you, Melissa, is uh, how, what do you think uh, if you had to come up with like a list of five things to do or three things uh, on dealing with breakups and, and even when I say breakups, not even just like in a romantic way, but just in relationships, right? Like uh, if somebody did you dirty, right? And and it's, again, you saw this person that you thought that's the person that they were. Like, how do you deal with that? Y'all keep it on a friendship level. So when it comes to friendships, you know, and those kinds of breakups or business breakups, you know what I mean? I think a lot of it, it comes down to one, self-accountability. Self-accountability is the biggest cure-all for pain, in my humble opinion. What signs did I miss? What red flags did I miss? What things did I not communicate correctly? What things was I insecure with in myself that I allowed them to cross boundaries without articulating that that was a boundary? That is a very big thing that I try to look at when it comes to those types of situations is, okay, I was friends with this person in an unauthentic level because I didn't value myself. Mm. I sat there and I ignored all the red flags and the ways that we did not resonate with one another because I was insecure with myself. Or... Another big thing I think that happens when it comes to friends breakups and business breakups and stuff like that is kind of a bulldozing effect where we don't listen to the other person because we're not willing to be helped. We're not willing to not be in control and we're not willing to not be somebody that's bringing more value than what we are receiving. Mm. And by doing that, it doesn't just hinder us, it hinders them because they feel like they're not seen, they're not important, they don't bring value, and eventually they just shut down and they stop contributing because they don't see any point or any position for them in your life, whether it's in business or in any aspect of life. So for me, I always try to look at that self-reflection and figure out what I can do better and a lot of that times, it also comes down to boundaries. Nine times out of 10, if you have something go bad, it's because you did not put your foot down because you did not value yourself enough to do so. Mm. And then do you think that, uh, because I, I love that, like putting boundaries, and what if it's something that like, I couldn't help but think like, you know, we can't guess every situation. Uh, obviously, once you put your foot down, uh, because I, I've noticed that, uh, you know, obviously we try to be the best people that we can be, but once you, if they do something with your core values that goes against your core values or even your mission statement, for example, uh, and that's where you kind of put your foot down, like, Hey, Whoa, hold on. You know, that here's, here's a boundary, right? Like, uh, how, how do you think, uh, one can handle doing it while in the middle of the process without knowing that that was going to come up, if that makes sense? Yeah. And for me, I like to self-reflect and sometimes this irritates a lot of people and that's okay. That's just how I am. Love so, it. Let's go. Um, so for me personally, I don't know if you're familiar with the Myers-Briggs personality test, but I'm an INFJ. That means I 
think about everything. It's going to be very, very rare that you're going to see me emotionally react to an irritated situation. It's going to be very, very rare. Can I be very blunt? Yes, I will absolutely be very blunt. But for me personally, if something really irritates me, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to think about this for a little bit. And I'm probably going to think about it way too much. I'm just going to be honest with you, Billy. I'm probably going to think about it for far too fucking long. Love it. (laughs) But think about it and be like, okay. And I'm going to look at it from every different single perspective, every single different view, every single different everything. And here's a step-by-step process. And I always want to give credit where credit is due. Um, It's by a coach named Lisa Romano. And she says she does this. Step number one, what's the situation? Step number two, if I'm remembering the steps right. How do I feel? Do I feel angry, frustrated, irritated, taken advantage of, annoyed, dismissed, all of this crap, right? How do I want to feel? Which ways can I react? And you list all of them. You can scream at the person, you can slam the door in their face. You can list all, even the most crazy ones you would never do in a million years. (laughs) Right, the illegal ones, <laughs> and then you write down the actual sane ones. So, like, hey, maybe I'll talk to them about this. Maybe I'll tell them I'm not going to be involved in that kind of situation, or etc., etc., etc. And then you pick whichever reaction is going to fit in with how you want to feel, and that's how you move forward. That's how you set boundaries. And I saw something on Instagram, and it says something like this: a boundary is not like, hey. Don't call me that late. That's not a boundary. A boundary is, hey, if you call me that late, I'm not going to answer. Hey, if you keep texting me those inappropriate things, I'm going to have to block you. Hey, if you're not pulling your weight in this business relationship, then we're going to have to cut ties as business partners. That is a boundary. A boundary is what is bothering you and what the repercussions are if it continues. So those are the two different things. I don't react to things in a very emotional manner. Typically, when I feel myself getting emotionally wrapped up, am I a human? Yes. Do I screw up? Yes. But it takes a lot. It takes a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of that kind of behavior of me being, you know, talked to that way for me to have to kind of stick my fangs out a little bit and be like, okay, like, I can talk that loud as well. So you actually hear me. But for the most part, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, I think people are scared to say this. Let me think about this for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let me think about this. Because I th- I would much rather live my life, and this is not an egotistical manner, saying I'm sorry the least amount of times that I can say I'm sorry. Because I would rather mean what I say and say what I mean versus sitting there getting emotionally revved up sticking my foot in my mouth and saying shit that I don't mean. That doesn't mean that I don't say sharp things. I, my, my, my own mother has told me, and my mother and I are like best friends. She's like, I would never want to be on your bad side because you can say some of the most direct cutthroat things without swearing or saying anything whatsoever, raising your voice whatsoever, just in the most calm fashion ever. That's because I don't let emotions get involved, but I mean what I say and I say what I mean And I do it by a lot of self-reflection so that I do that in a way. And often I'm not apologetic by it because I mean what I say and I say what I mean. I do make Mm. mistakes. Yes. But I mean what I say and I say what I mean. And also I would say 
with people. Don't text things. I hate texting. I really do. You can't tell people's emotions. You can't tell what people mean. You can't tell what people intend. Like if you're going to have a confrontation, someone crosses your boundaries, try to have it in person for the love of God. I know I'm I know I sound old. I'm a millennial when I say this, but still, when you're going to have a confrontation, have it in person for the love of God. Texting is not how you lay a boundary. If you uh, I love that. That That's so true. It's funny. Uh, there was this uh, video uh, going around from Saturday Night Live, and I, I, I can't, I'm not going to be specific. I can't remember exactly how it went, but basically, the reality was that, or the video, the idea was that, uh, you know, one guy's texting, laughing uh or uh, having fun and then the other guy's texting back mad and they're yeah. both like well let's let's meet up then well come on then right and and the guy's happy like oh yeah he wants to meet up and then they meet up and he's with like a hammer or something like oh we're actually <laughs> so i love that it's so true like perspective yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true I, um, i'm a great texter man like i don't know your emotions i don't know how you said yeah. it I, I don't like have a conversation with the person. A person is a person. Have a conversation with them. It will solve like 99% of your damn problems if you could stop being a hermit and have a damn conversation with somebody. And that's in business, that's in life, that's in relationships, that's in everything. Love it. And it's funny, this show, you know, I wrote the power of being uncomfortable, right? And so my thing is having uncomfortable conversations like this whole conversation we've had has been uncomfortable right and i love it and and i feel like everybody should do that with the people that they love especially uh, is have those uncomfortable conversations and as a matter of fact the other person is probably going to respect you more by you coming up and saying it or, or doing it right because uh not a lot of people unfortunately are like that nowadays so i love that and uh i i just love the whole accountability melissa like you you've been bringing that up over and over and it's uh I love that because I know I've tried and there's always to every story out there. There's always their, their side of the story, my side, and then mm -hmm. the truth. Right. And, and so I, I love that because every time that I've, you know, whether it's through my music or real estate or construct, like whatever, all the businesses that I do, something goes wrong. I'm always constantly asking myself, okay, what did I do and how can I learn? What's the lesson behind that? What, what do I need to do to get better for next time? So I love that. And, yeah. uh, you've mentioned uh, confidence a lot and I love your confidence, by the way. Now uh, I'm going to ask you this uh, because I'm confident myself. And a lot of times it's like, we almost have to like check our eagles. Uh, uh, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you make sure that it's not your ego talking about your confidence? Mm -hmm. Well, two things. So one thing I want to backtrack a little bit on. Um, so when it comes to accountability, there's a very big difference. There's accountability and then there's enabling. So for the audience members, I want you guys to understand this. Sometimes accountability means looking in the mirror and being like, I fucking enabled this person. I oh. let this person take me for every single thing that I had because I did not value myself. I have wow. a weight on every single thing in this partnership, in this business, because I did not value myself. That is the accountability. Mm. So that doesn't Let's go mean that you need to take responsibility and ownership for every single thing in your life and you need to be the one that run around like freaking cinderella and fix all this crap that's not what that means accountability can mean that you did not have boundaries accountability can mean that you enabled somebody accountability can mean that you did not sit there and see the flags see the red flags see their lies 
see their deceit, see their lack of follow through, and sit there and make excuses for them every single damn day. Woo, let's go. Is different when it comes to enabling people. So I want people to really, really get that because there's been some accountability books and some leadership books that I've read where they talk about extreme accountability. And it's like, okay, there needs to be a separation between that. Accountability is also understanding that accountability means, yeah, I enabled this I allowed this person to run off. I literally could have been sitting there running and operating a bank and it sat there and just laid on the ground and let the robber take the entire damn thing. That's your accountability. The accountability wow. is you did not have boundaries and the accountability is that you enabled the person. So wow. So place. true. I yeah. love that. Wow. Woo. I want to clarify that standpoint of things. When it comes to, you know, self-confidence and ego, I think a lot of it has to do also with looking in the mirror and sitting there and being like, okay, what did I screw up today? Did I screw up that communication? Did I screw up this thing today? Did I sit there? And I, you have to really humble yourself on some things. I'm not perfect. There are people that are way better than me. I don't want to be perfect. Perfect does not exist. If anybody sits there and messages you and tells you that you're perfect, just know that they're full of shit because you're not. Um, <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> love it. I, I love Gary Vaynerchuk's approach to life where he says, when people compliment me, I don't believe them. When people tell me I suck, I don't believe them. My value is not based on where I'm at in my life and how other people view me. My value is based on how I view myself. And self-confidence is based on you being able to believe in yourself. I always use the analogy when it comes to the self-love. I think we're in a very toxic day and age of self-love where everyone's like, oh, you need to love yourself. You need to love yourself. You need to love yourself. You need to love yourself means you need to be able to believe in yourself. And that's what self-confidence is. It's the ability to believe in yourself. That means if you say you're going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, you wake the hell up at five o'clock in the morning. That means that means if you're going to take care of yourself, you do that. That means if you need to shut down that business because it's bankrupting you, you do that. That means that if you say you're going to do something, that you do that. Hmm. That is how self-confidence is developed. Ego is just a fragile thing that you make up that is superficial, that just makes it so you think that your shit doesn't stink so you can get approval of everybody else. Self-confidence and ego are two very different things. Ego is false. Ego is about the approval of others. Ego is sitting there thinking that you're the best damn thing that happened to the world because you're insecure. Self-confidence is quiet. Self-confidence is self-accountability. Self-confidence mm. is the ability to believe in yourself that it doesn't matter what happens on this planet. You know that you can bounce back. And if you don't bounce back right then and there, you know eventually one way down the road, you will. One of my favorite things to do is I always say character will always prevail. You may be the loser today, but in five years, people will see the truth. And that's self-confidence. Self-confidence is knowing that you are doing the truth, you are doing the work, and that you are following through, and you're actually doing what you said you do, and you're in line with your character. Wow. And it's like that saying, uh, rich is loud and wealth is quiet, right? And and it's the same like with ego. Ego is loud and confidence is quiet. So I love that. That That's so true. And uh, it, it's crazy too, the whole self-love thing. Uh, I love that, that your approach to that because a lot of times too, it's like, 
how our champions made is by, you know, they get beat. Right. And, and it's almost like to a certain extent, you do have to beat yourself to, to take accountability. Right. So, you know, what you did wrong, what you need to fix. If you're, if you don't do that, I truly believe that nothing would work. Like, uh, honestly, me and you alone, like just us right now, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we weren't doing that. Like, if you think about it, yeah, <laughs> like it, it's it, it's so crazy. We'll be right Before back. We continue. Go subscribe to Billy the Kid YouTube. That is Billy D H A K I D. Also, go follow Billy the Kid music on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, and everywhere else. Music is available. And now. Back to this great episode. Let's go. I'm popping out the two dough. We're number two foe. Feel, feel like Kobe though. I'm winning. Need to do more. My mama sorry. College was to phone me. Street smart. No degree. Just like Kobe. Self-made boss with a suit like a mogul. I'm the new era. You see it on my logo. And I know you... Uh, the conversations like uh, when I spoke to you then and then even on your social media too, Um, you do a little bit of real estate, right? Yeah, I run a couple different companies. So I do commercial real estate so I could sell Fortune 500 companies, work on major redevelopments of malls and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then I do the motivational speaking and business coaching. So I consult and coach huge like Fortune 500 companies outside of the real estate sector. And then I also run an Airbnb business that I built um, in 2021 to help people with building passive income. What other uh, businesses do you have, if any? Uh, just those three currently. Those three. Love it. And uh, with the whole real estate thing, um, do you where do you think this market is heading? You know, I don't have a crystal ball right now, um, and I think it's very interesting um, in my humble opinion. And this is not financial advice. And, you know, this is just my random non just put real estate to the side. This is just my random opinion when I study economists. I think that there's two different decisions. There's two different things. There's either people that are bullish on the market that think Jerome Powell is going to land us into a soft landing, or there's people that are bullish that that, that are uh, bearish in the market that think that he is full of crap. I think that we're going to be heading into a very interesting Q2 across the board, and this isn't just real estate related. This is economy related, and then I think Q3, hopefully things start to bounce back, and then Q4 we start to see things bounce back a little bit more. That would be my bullish prediction. Now, it depends on how he looks at the jobs reports and how he looks at things. If you look at how Jerome Powell um, looked at, from my understanding anyways, I'm not an economist, but when he was looking at some of the job reports, he was not taking into account the people that were double employed. So when he was raising those interest rates, he was raising them, looking at the jobs report, thinking that everybody would have like massive jobs, not taking into account people that were double employed. So then in some people's opinions, he overcorrected the way that he raised interest rates, kind of Paul Volckert us like they did in the 70s, and then rug pulled us. So it really depends on however you look at it. In my humble opinion, I'm a little bit bullish when we head into Q3 and um, a little bit bearish when we head into Q4. Because I think Q4 is going to be a very interesting thing as we head into the elections and we head into everything else on top of what the Federal Reserve has going on. I did find it quite interesting, though, that um, for the first time in the entire history, Jerome Powell told people last year to stop or earlier, I think it was last year, to stop buying houses. That he told them, if he's like, you're, if you're a young family, and I don't even do residential or any of that stuff, if you're a young family, it's probably not the best time to buy houses. That to me was a big, big warning sign that a lot of people did not mm -hmm. did not really heed that led to a lot of blood 
in the water. And I also think a lot of people that um, bought in 2020 and underwrote their properties solely based on um, Airbnb income are about to really lose their pants mm. because they are buying it in markets that are luxurious homes whereas we head into a recession or arguably already in one. And they're also going to be outlawed by the cities and not be able to do Airbnbs anymore. Therefore, they're going to be underwater in a house they can't do anything with and can't even Airbnb. So it's going to be a very interesting market, in my humble opinion, in the next 12 months on every single accord. Inflation, jobs, everything. Mm, love it. And uh, I'm a coach myself, Melissa. And so I consider myself a success coach is what I I go by because from there, you know, I can with my music or business uh, investing. What is your title? Like, what's your top title? Because I know you help a lot of people, but what what's what would you consider your title? So for me personally, especially online, I keep myself on business coaching. So I help business owners, um, small business owners, large business owners with helping themselves with getting past their own mindset, which does have some success coaching into it with taking their business to the next level. I've had people increase their income over 35% within literally just a very short time frame of three weeks. I've mm. had people increase their income $120,000 within just like a month. So for me personally, what I've learned is one, I learned business at a very young age. I started running restaurants at the age of 16. So I started doing a stepping into business at a very young age. And then you take that in with the mix of chronic illness and having to learn how to be as effective as possible with chronic illness. You kind of get a perfect little match where you get as much productivity and as much effectiveness as you possibly can with the least amount of effort. That doesn't mean I don't believe in working hard. That just means I believe in working hard and smart so you can get more stuff done. And I see the patterns in life that contribute to the most amount of success. And I know we're running out of time. And before we kind of, I have some questions at the end of the show that I ask every guest, but uh, since you do with, with small business, um, when do you think it's time to level up to the next level? So you're not a solopreneur, right? Uh, what's your perspective on that? I think a lot of it comes down to people's egos. I think some people, and I've known people that will stay a solopreneur for the rest of their lives because they're too egotistical to believe that the job needs to only be done by them and it needs to be only done to their level. Mm, that will I love that. So, <laughs> that will make it so you are literally a prisoner in your own business. And I've known many people like that. And it sucks because when they go to go to retirement and sell their business, their business is worth, le worth less because the fact that the business is only them. Wow. So that comes right back to that ego standpoint of things. I think it's time to stop and step outside of being a solopreneur as soon as you're ready to let go of your ego and understand that other people can do things better than you. And to understand that you are being selfish by being a solopreneur on some level or extent, but also you need to make sure that it's profitable because you don't want to hire and fire and all of that kind of stuff. It depends on where you're at in the economy. It depends on where you're at with your business and it depends on where you're at altogether. What I have my people do that I work with is I have them write down how much they're worth per hour. And if the work that they're doing is literally worth less than how much they're worth per hour on an actual basis based on documentation that they can provide, then that's when we know it's time to hire somebody. Hmm. I love that. Uh, and again, as much as I hate to wrap it up, I like, I think we've covered a lot of bases here. And uh, again, every episode, those of you who are listening is like a book. Like you literally 
listen to this episode is it's life changing. Um, and it's funny, Melissa, I, I asked this at the beginning of the, of the show, but we've been spinning so much fire from the beginning that, uh, uh, what is one book that has changed your life completely? Uh, whether it's an old one that you read X 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and, or something recent. There's two books that I think have changed my life the most. One of them was the 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. I've had the privilege of talking to him and actually doing one-on-one coaching with him once before. Right when COVID hit, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, man. Um, And that book I plan on only listening to for 10 to 15 minutes. And I listened to the entire thing in one day. Like, I just could not put it down because he challenges the way that you think. He challenges the way that we think and we analyze life. And then we realize that we probably do need more to be able to help more people. The other book that I absolutely love and I've read probably about eight times um, is David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me. So I'm going to give you a couple different books. Um, That one was absolutely life changing because he talks about embracing your past, embracing your weaknesses, actually taking accountability, moving your life forward, continuing to callous your mind because we are in a softened generation right now. So when adversity hits, we don't know how to react. And then the last book I'd say for people that have been through a lot of trauma in their life is Joe Dispenza's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. He makes in a scientific level and meditation to help you with rewiring your brain to be able to create the future that you want. Love that. And then you have a book yourself, right? Yep. I've got a book called The 11 Vital Habits for Success. And what that is, is after all my surgeries back to back, I had 12 within less than a two year long period. I was blacking out every three hours. So I did a habit a week and I did that for two years straight until I could build a version of myself that was able to do what I do now today. And those are the top habits that I found to create massive success and they compounding each other week by week. Love it. And what I'll do, Melissa, is uh, uh, I'll throw the Amazon link. I'm a Amazon affiliate, so I'll throw it on my store. So those of you who are listening, check on there to grab her book. Uh, and the last, so to wrap everything up, um, uh, I'm just going to ask you some quick questions and whatever the answer comes up first is what, you know, whatever comes to your head, right? Like the uncomfortable conversations. And with that being said, since I wrote the power of being uncomfortable, which is out everywhere, what is one way? And and there's many ways in your story, but what is the one, the one time that you think you got uncomfortable that paid off? The one time that I got uncomfortable that paid off is we all have this voice, right? We all have this voice in the back of our head. That says, oh, this isn't a right fit. This isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working. These people are valuing me. This isn't working. (laughs) And a lot of times we try to run away from that voice. And I remember the very first time that I stepped out as an entrepreneur. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to rely on anybody but myself. I don't have a backup plan. I'm chronically ill. I just got brain surgery. I just got 11 additional surgeries. I'm going to walk out on my own. I'm going to leave every single backup system that I have right now. And I'm going to go out there. I'm going to fucking make it work. And that was the uncomfortable thing because I didn't know if I was going to make it. I didn't know if I was going to sink or swim. I didn't know how long my body was going to last. I didn't know how many hours of good productivity I had, but here's what I knew. What I was doing was not working. So I stepped out on my own. And I made my own. And that was a very uncomfortable decision. And that required a lot more sacrifices. Hell, I was even at appointments, meeting with multimillionaires, with purses that I bought from Goodwill stuck in the trunk of my car. And I was flipping them in between meetings with people that were driving to the coffee shop to buy them from me. Mm -hmm. That is putting and betting on yourself. 
The only thing on this planet that you can bet for and bet on is yourself. That's the only thing that ever is going to pay off. Boom. Let's go. And uh, if you were to look at your younger self, Melissa, what would be this for wisdom purposes? Uh, what would be the piece of advice you would give your younger self? For your younger self, I would say to stop listening to other people's limitations and beliefs, because the problem with the matter is, is whatever limitations they put on you, somebody else put on them. So when you can break yourself out of the mental prison that other people try to put you in, you also break them out of the mental prison somebody else put them in. So many times in my life, I've not done something because somebody else told me it was a bad idea and it's cost me hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of dollars. I had somebody tell me that it was a bad idea to buy a house in 2008. I had somebody else tell me it was a bad idea to buy a house in 2010 in a market that was only going to cost me $78,000. I'd be worth over about three quarter of a million dollars. Trust yourself, do your research, don't be stupid, but trust yourself if you know what the hell you're talking about, keep it to yourself, or don't trust idiots, unless they have research and reasons that they're actually experts in what they're talking about. And the mm. last thing I would say is that's a very good question, but a lot of the times, the answer to those questions, we don't follow now as it is. Wow. Mm. Talk about dropping fire, let's go. Uh, and so the million dollar hustle is basically a book that I'm going to write and, um, I'm, I'm on to finding what are the habits, uh, that that'll make get you to that level, right. To that million dollar hustle. So with that being said, uh, if you had to come up with three things, three habits, we'll call them. If you do these three things, you will be successful. You're not going to fail. Do these three things and boom, you made it. What are the three things that you would say to somebody? Number one, I would sit there and I would do mental toughness challenges. Mental toughness challenges is a habit that I implemented years ago. That is the most ROI positive thing that I've ever done in my entire life, even though it does not show up on any positive cash flow, cash sheet, anything. What that is, is I do something that scares the living shit out of me and I embrace it every single year. And what that does for me is that allows me to show up in a board meeting that may be terrifying. I may be sitting there with some of, and I often am, with some of the biggest companies in the entire damn world. I'm sitting here as a woman self-educated, okay, in a man's world, sitting there across the room for some of the biggest companies and being like, okay, this is what you should do. This is your 10-year-long plan. That's intimidating. What gives me the confidence to do that? Knowing the fact that I can count on myself and then I can embrace and chase the things that scare the living crap out of me. Number two, pull the plug and pull the plug quickly. What do I mean by that? Friendships, relationships, business partnerships, businesses as a whole. If the business is not making you freaking money, don't sit there and stay attached to it just because it boosts your damn ego and you can say you're running another damn business. No, you're not. You're running a failing operation. Pull the plug, pull the plug quickly. Number three, watch your money and watch it very closely. What are you spending it on? One of my favorite things Grant Cardone says is he says, I do not buy things, especially when you're trying to build your wealth right now. I do not buy things that are not tax deductible. Mm. Everything in my life, I try my damnedest to make sure it's tax deductible. Now, obviously, that's a very black and white mentality. You're going to have to buy some things that are tax, not tax deductible, like food. But for the most part, try to look at every single thing that you purchase as a tax deduction. If you cannot make it tax deductible, how can you make it tax deductible? If you can't make it tax deductible, do you really need it? Hmm. Especially as we head into a recession right now, the people that have had financial discipline 
are going to be the people that are going to be able to sit there and be like, you know what? I have enough money set aside to take advantage of this recession because I was disciplined with my money and I only bought things that were tax deductible. I love that. And uh, it's so funny, like that, that last one, it, it just hits me hard. Cause even with my music, for example, and again, I have to say it, right? Like I'm not a, an accountant or nothing. So don't go talk to your accountant, <laughs> yeah. but uh, uh, even shoes or, or a hat that I wear in a music video, like, Hey, mm -hmm. it, it is part of my, my business, you know? So anyways, yeah. I, I love that. Um, where can people find you, Melissa? You can find me on social media. It's spelled really weird. It's M-A-L-L-I-S-A -L -L -I Jackson. And you can find me on any social media platform. You can Google me. You can find me everywhere. Um, so I'm sure that you'll drop the link or drop how to spell my name within this. And you can find me pretty much everywhere. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitch. I'm on every single platform that you can imagine. And we're about to launch another 10-day challenge. We had about 32,000 and 34,000 members last time. That was the top like vital habits that we built people week by week day by day to be able to scale their business. And then we're putting together a community where people are going to be able to connect with one another and actually move their lives forward to get what they want for 2023. Mm, love it. Those of you who are listening, please make sure to screenshot wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast and then tag Melissa, tag me, and we're going to reshare it. Uh, this has been amazing, Melissa. Any final words? Uh, I, I want to thank you. Like This has been amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Honors on mine. I hope that this podcast helps somebody with finding the greatness within themselves. I hate coming on here. I'm a big time introvert. I don't like talking about myself, but I come on here because I want to help people with finding the best version of themselves and going out there and creating greatness in the world. Love it. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe, guys, wherever it is that you're listening. Follow us and leave us a five-star review. You know damn well this show was a 10-star, but you can only do five. So leave us a review, and I'll see you guys on the next one. Vamanos. Different levels of thinking, and we both, right? But, but, but my mindset is on growth with the future, right? Because my dead people mad at me that I'm speaking facts. Maybe could it be that I'm getting racks? Open your mind, gotta open it to receive. I'm always ten toes for what I believe. Those minded people mad at me that I'm speaking facts. Or, or maybe could it be that I'm getting racks? Open your mind, gotta open it to receive. I'm, I'm always ten toes for what I believe. I've I, I heard it all, this and that, and I got an ego. Y'all pigeons, I don't flock together like a